Welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover sections uh, at least 51 and 52, uh, and maybe 53. But we'll see how how, how we go. Um, section 51, saints are coming into Ohio. There needs to be some organization, some order put together to for taking care of the saints. And so this section is, uh, you know, meant to accomplish that. It appoints uh, the bishop, Edward Partridge, to have stewardship over the properties and over, over things so that he can make sure that people get what they need. So we're going to learn some more here about the law of consecration. We're going to learn uh, a little bit about how uh, the United Order, which is separate and different than the law of consecration, which is important to note, but we'll learn a little bit about how that operated. Um, interestingly, found this quote about uh, when Joseph Smith received this revelation. And uh, Orson Pratt was there, and he said, No great noise or physical manifestation was made. Joseph was a cal- as calm as, a morning, as the morning sun. This is in third person talking about what Orson had said. So, But he noticed a change in his countenance that had never noticed before when a revelation was given to him. Joseph's face was exceedingly white and seemed to shine. The speaker had been present many times when he was translating the New Testament and wondered why he did not use the Yermanthumim as in translating the Book of Mormon. While this thought had passed through the speaker's mind, Joseph, as if he had read his thoughts, looked up and explained that the Lord had had gave him the Yermanthumim when he was inexperienced in the spirit of inspiration. But now he had advanced so far that he understood the operations of that spirit and did not need the assistance of that instrument. That stood out to me for a couple reasons. A, you know, just a pretty cool story about uh, the Prophet Joseph. And receiving revelation, uh, but B, because what what was it that made it so that he didn't need the arm and thumb any, anymore? He had advanced so far that he understood the operations of that of that spirit, the spirit of revelation. I think that, and I feel strongly that that's what President Nelson wants us to have. President Nelson wants us to be so familiar and advanced. In the, op- in, in the understanding of the operation of the spirit of revelation, that we can receive revelation in this way. That as a, a thought pass, passed through Orson Pratt's mind, Joseph was able to look at him and say, here's the answer to your question about the Yerman Thummim. Why did he have that? Because he just, he had the spirit with him of the spirit of revelation. Now, do we, are we going to need to be able to read people's minds all the time? No. But it became so second nature to Joseph because what? I mean, I think we're reading about because what right now in the Doctrine and Covenants. Why? It wasn't just the translation of the Book of Mormon or the translation of uh, the New Testament or the Old Testament or any of that. It was that every day, every day, every day, Joseph was asking, seeking, and knocking, and the Lord was answering and giving and opening to him. And after, you know, so many repetitions of that, and after doing that so uh thoroughly for so long it becomes a habit it becomes second nature it becomes easier and easier to recognize the voice of the spirit the guidance of the spirit so let's move into section 51 here a little bit um verse 3 uh the lord wants them to uh appoint Unto this people, according to their portions, every man equal according to his according to his family, and that's an important thing. How does the Lord define equal? Uh, President J. Reuben Clark 
said, one of the places in which some of the brethren are gone astray is this. There is continuous reference in, those, in the revelations to equality among the brethren, but I think you will find only one place where that equality is really described, though it is de- referred to in other revelations. That revelation is section three verse of uh, sec, uh, sorry verse three of section fifty one affirms that every man is to be equal according to his family, according to his circumstances and his wants and his needs. Obviously, this is not a case of dead level equality. It is equality that will vary as much as the man's circumstances. His family, his wants, and his needs may vary. So, to me, this is a, there's a difference between equal equality and equity being... And so, you know, if you are married and have one kid, and your, your needs will be less than those of people who are married and have seven or eight children... And so they will be given more, but in in proportion, right? So there will be an equal equality in that sense. That's the way that the Lord works. Um, in verses four through six, the Lord gives some specific direction on how to do this, even like legally. You know, when we talk about practicality, He tells them what to do. Make sure you're following the laws. And I think that's pretty interesting to note. Um, I'll be honest, you know, some people want to compare uh, the law of consecration to maybe socialism or a, a communal type of living, which there are definitely some overlaps. But here in this section, we see a big difference. The big difference is this. Everybody was putting in, right? Everyone was living the law of consecra- consecration, saying, here's my all. It was uh, uh, Edward Partridge's duty then to be a steward and to say, all right, Family A, you need this much. Family B, you need this much, right? And to, according to their family and, and needs. But, importantly, a difference from other types of, of communal living, what was given to them in this case was deeded to them. They they became the owners of the land, of the house, of the whatever was given to them. They became the owners legally. Why is that important? Well, it's important because now, guess what? They are free to leave. They're not tethered and tied to the to the community, and in in a quasi type of bondage. Because if 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 it belongs to the community, if you leave, you're leaving everything. You have to start all over. No, that's not how this worked. It was, we're going to give you this back. This is yours, and now you have your agency. It's a it's completely voluntary, from from the beginning to the end. Uh, they had their agency to leave, and but obviously, you know, spiritually speaking, they were, they had made a covenant, and there would be ramifications. But legally and, to, and worldly speaking, they were they were absolutely free to go with no with no repercussions, really. Uh, this is from the Institute Manual. Uh, the Lord tells them to be all alike. And uh, it says, they were also alike and all the e- they had all equal opportunity to benefit from whatever talents and abilities exist in the community. However, the idea that everyone was alike in goods possessed or income received is in error. And this is just kind of a, you know, underscoring what I've been saying here. About the law of consecration, about the united order, there are these things that we need to understand about how it worked that I, that I feel like at least I misunder- have had a misunderstanding about. And look, it's the same way in our in the church today. Everyone is free to choose, right? That's the 
that's the I think the underscoring principle of of section one is is agency. That we are free to to be partakers of the heavenly gift. We are free to choose to uh, be involved in the kingdom of God on earth. We don't have to be. There's no compelling here. So let's move into section fifty-two. Pretty interesting section. It's, uh, you know, I think probably the longest of the section of the of the week. But a big section of it, as you'll start to read, in is a calling of missionaries and put and assigning them into companionships. Um, so section fifty-two was given at a conference of the church in in Ohio, um, and you know, they were meeting, having conferences every three or so months at this time, and. Uh, the Lord was giving them instruction. He would typically tell them when through, you know, they would decide with, you know, consulting with the Lord, obviously at each conference, when to meet next. Um, and so here's their meeting. They're, they're told here that their next meeting is going to be in Missouri and it is in section 57. So we'll talk about that later. So in this section, uh, 28 missionaries are called, uh, but actually 30 missionaries went out because what happened is um, one of the original 28 uh, doesn't go, Ezra Booth, I believe. And then three more actually do get called and go. So uh, there ends up being 30 missionaries, 15 companionships. They're given some direction and instruction here. The one point that I want to highlight is uh, verse 9 that says, and let them journey from thence, preaching the word by the way, saying none other things than that which the prophets and apostles have written, and that which is taught them by the Comforter through the prayer of faith. So the standard of what is taught in the church. Um, so, in 1837, the twelve apostles wrote, Be careful that you teach not for the word of God the commandments of men, or the doctrines of men, or the ordinances of men, inasmuch as ye are God's messengers study the word of God and preach it and not your opinions for no man's opinion is worth a straw advance no principle but what you can prove for one scriptural proof is worth 10,000 opinions we would moreover say abide that revelation which says preach nothing but repentance to this generation and leave the further mysteries of the, of the kingdom till God shall tell you to preach them which is not now uh, Elder McConkie said, The truth of all things is measured by the scriptures. That which harmonizes with them should be accepted. That which is contrary to their teachings, however plausible it may seem for the moment, will not endure and should be rejected. I wanted to pull that out personally and talk about that because it's a weight that I've I've talked about a couple times uh, on the podcast, but it's a weight that I feel in doing this podcast even. It's something that always gives me pause and hesitation to even continue doing the podcast is how how good am I at making sure that I'm not sharing my opinions that can't be backed up by scripture. Now I, I make a, a, an effort. I try like, that's one of the, it's like my foremost thing that I try to do. It's why I want to pull quotes. It's why I try to stay focused and centered on the scriptures and pulling out verses and things. Um, you know, I feel like I have, I'm, I've been given this caveat a lot of times. I'm not a scriptorian, nor am I a historian, but I feel like I have a pretty decent handle on, the standard works, uh, in, in as much as I've read them several times each, right? 
and so I try to be measured in what I'm sharing. And I think that's, uh, that's what's important for us in our lives as we share the gospel, as we share points of the gospel, um, is being able to back it up with scripture, with what do the prophets say about that? Um, because there's safety there. And as other McConkie said, that that's what's going to endure. Opinions of men and the doctrines of men and anything else that may seem plausible, if it can't be backed up and supported by Scripture, then it's not going to withstand the test of time. Um, I think of... Who was it? Uh, Elder Perry or then Elder Ballard? Um, in about 2007-2008 said that the, every member of the church should be acquainted with the principles that are in chapter three of preach my gospel, which is where the lessons are that the missionaries uh, teach. Because he said, if you're acquainted with those things, then you'll be ready to to answer any question that your friends have. You'll be able to, to bear testimony in not an overbearing way, but in just as a matter of fact way of true principles and true things. And I think that's related to this point in section nine that those are the things that are that are backed by those are doctrinal truths that are backed by scripture. Final thought from section fifty two is this, and I'll give into you a pattern in all things that he may not be deceived, for Satan is abroad in the land, and he goeth forth deceiving the nations. Love this scripture because you know something I've talked about in the past is that the Lord works in patterns, and so as you want to if you want to be scripturally based and doctrinally based is look for patterns because the Lord doesn't just teach a truth one time in the scriptures. And then you have to like find this one obscure little truth. He doesn't just teach it one time through one little footnote in a general authorities, uh, conference address. Even truths are easy to spot because of patterns. They're all throughout the standard works. They're all throughout the talks was given by the general authorities living and dead, right? And so, uh, I mean, and that's just one pattern, but there are many patterns that we can find that lead us to truth. Um, I'm going to stop here. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up in section 53 in the next episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you'll continue to, to listen as we continue through sections 53 uh, through 57 this week. Best of luck. Thanks.